Hey, everybody. Welcome to my show. This is Georgia Kimmy and Piney Woods Justice, coming to you straight out of East Texas. I live in Nacogdoches, Texas, near the Louisiana border, and I practice in five different counties here. Today, we're going to hear a story of recovery, of triumph, of victory from Bubba Norman. He's a graduate of Judge White's 159th District Court in Angelina County, that's Lufkin, Texas, a graduate of his drug court program. Drug court is a program for people with a felony charge who are on probation, and it's a two-year program. They have to come to court once a week and face the judge. They have to get drug tested randomly two days a week. They have to attend substance abuse counseling. That's with ADAC. And that is one or two nights a week, depending on how far along they are in the program. They also have to attend two AA groups during the week. So it's very strict. And we have a team of people, counselors, probation officer. Of course, the judge heads it up. We have law enforcement members on our team. We also have defense attorneys and prosecutors on our team. We go week by week checking on these folks, seeing what they've done and make sure they're complying with the program. And sometimes they have sanctions and sometimes they have rewards. But it's a very close monitoring system, but it's also a very, very big support system to help these people get back on track and straighten out their lives so they can get out of the criminal justice system for good. Statistics tell us that if someone comes out of prison and they have got a substance abuse problem, 95% of those people will go right back to prison within two years. And that is a sad, sad statistic. We can help that. We can change that. We can help these people recover and straighten out their lives, get their families back, get to work, get their homes, get their vehicles. Typically, drug addicts have lost everything. Lost everything. Can you imagine? Anyway, we've got Bubba Norman here today, and he has gone one year successfully through the program with no slip-ups, no sanctions, no relapses. Bubba Norman is amazing, and he's got an awfully interesting story to tell you. I know you're going to love it. It's going to touch your heart. So here we go. Take it away, Bubba. Hi, I'm Edward Norman, and I'm a recovering addict. First and foremost, I'd like to start out by saying that I'm responsible for all my actions. You know, I grew up, I kind of had a rough childhood in a sense. Single mom, who had, you know, a couple of different boyfriends, finally wound up marrying my stepdad, who I didn't get along with. So there was a lack of love in the house, a, a want to fit in, you know, in a sense. I can remember starting, the first time that I tried marijuana, I was 12 years old. And that was due partly to uh, to peer pressure. And, you know, I was around a, a group of people who were older than I was. And uh, and there again, you know, just, just wanting to fit in. So, like I said, you know, me and my, my, my dad, stepdad, we didn't get along real well. So I moved out of the house by, by the time that I was 15. And so for the next three years, I had no contact with my, with my mom and my stepdad. You know, they just, they, I mean, they never reached out, you know. And so there was, there was something always kind of missing there. Whenever we finally did, this went through uh, 18, me being 18 years old. And by this time, I had started uh, mildly using pain pills, Xanax, just small stuff to, to that nature. To me, it was small stuff anyways. 
whenever I finally did uh, reconnect with my parents, they were into meth. My parents come over, and I'm sitting out, you know, they're over there. I'm living with my aunt and uncle. They come over, I'm sitting out in the car with them, you know, just kind of letting them know that, you know, I just was having a bad day that day, you know, and may, it may have been just because it was a cloudy day, who knows, you know, it wasn't nothing big. It was just I was having a bad day. I was an 18-year-old kid in high school having a bad day. That's normal. But their way of fixing it to me was to, to hand me a bag of methamphetamines and tell me that it was going to make me feel better. And it did. <laughs> and, you know, I've I wanted this relationship with my parents. And I was, I was seeking their love and their approval. You know, it had been three years since I'd had contact with them. And so now that I was back in their good graces, you know, this was what they were doing. And this was what was going to keep me being able to be a part of their life. And, and there again, you know, even with that being said, I knew it was wrong. And I'm responsible for my actions. But what that done? What it done is it turned into a 19-year drug addiction. I felt like, um, like I was a different type of an, an addict. I was a functioning addict. I worked every day. I uh, picked my kids up from school every day. I come home and I helped with homework. I cooked meals. You know, I, I took care of my responsibilities, or so I thought. You know, I just felt like I felt like because I went to work every day and I paid for my drug addiction that I was a different type of an addict. You know, I was different than everybody else. But what it wound up doing was it wound up costing me my family and uh, and everything that I had worked for for 18 years. You know, I wound up losing my job uh, due to just a layoff, you know, something that was out of my hands. Um, and, I mean, I was one of the last ones laid off, so it wasn't that I wasn't doing a good job. It's just the way that things fell. But instead of, of going out and finding another job, I started... I got deeper into the drug addiction, and I started staying out late at night, and I started to the point where I wouldn't come home and, and you know and, and my wife was she was actually a CPS caseworker and she wasn't you know she, this was not the life that she wanted and uh and so it wound up costing me <clears throat> my marriage um uh, you know I went a long time uh 18 years without getting in trouble with the law without um really getting caught up but it eventually caught up with me um and I did. I wound up getting pulled over and and all the way to the point of uh, I didn't tell the officer that I had the drugs on me. I had it in my pocket. He didn't check my back pockets. So I thought that I would be hopefully in the clear. And by, by the time I get to the court or to the jail, I get I get booked for possession of a controlled substance inside a correctional facility. You know, so it you know I could have gave it to him and it wouldn't have went so deep, but it did. It turned into a, to a, a like a class a felony you know immediately <clears throat> and this was the first drug charge that i'd ever had so I, by the time all the legal stuff played out i remember being in in the courtroom and i had been on probation before just misdemeanor petty stuff but never nothing like what i was facing now and so i was in the courtroom and and they gave me felony probation this time and the i remember judge white asking me edward are you going to be able to do this and I remember thinking in the back of my mind, man, I'm tired of this. I'm 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 tired of this world, the, just the drug world, the just every bit of it. You know, it's done nothing but drain me. You know, I've lived the last 19 years in this world, and it, I feel so much older than what I am. I am so drained and tired of this, and I want out. And you know what? 
probation's not going to do it. All probation is going to do is prolong the inevitable because I've done been through it before. I, I went through and I, I, I was able to get clean for my drug test, stay clean for a week so I could pass my drug test, and then it was right back into the drugs again. You know, I, I mean, I don't want to say that I beat the system in a sense, but that's what I had done because I knew that the drug test was going to be on the same day every month, and so I knew it. And so I had a way to prepare for it, and I did, and I got past probation already, so I knew probation wasn't enough, and I, I wanted to be done with it. I, in my mind, I wanted to be done with it. I had done been going to church and talking to God and telling God how I wanted to be done with it, and so I asked the judge for drug court, and, and by the grace of God, he gave it to me. Because, but because I was a functioning addict, and I had a job, and I had my priorities, so to speak, in order, which I know now I didn't, but but he, he told me, he said, you know, just keep going to work and keep and do what you're supposed to do. We're not going to put you in jail. You're not going to have to go to rehab. We don't want to mess with mess up your job. You know, you got your child support and everything that you're paying for. You look, I mean, on the outside, you're doing good, but we got to get you cleaned up. We got to get you right. So we're not going to put you in jail. We're not going to send you to rehab. If you think that you can do this without it, we're going to give you a chance on doing it without it. Well, that lasted all of about a month. And sure enough, I fell to UA and straight to jail I went. And in my mind, in my mind whenever I went to jail, I had, I had lost everything that 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 I still had. I had lost my job. I had lost the relationship with my kids because they thought that I was clean. My job thought that I was clean. My job never really knew of anything other than that. And what what relationship I did have with my ex-wife, you know, we were at least on good speaking terms. That was out the window. And so as I got as I sat in jail, I felt like I had nowhere else to turn. You know, I mean, I was done. I, this was my rock bottom. I mean, even even as an addict, I was able to go through college and make a career for myself and, and, and do do these things that, that your typical addict can't do. I was able to accomplish these things, but I had just thrown them out the window by getting this felony charge and not being able to go to work now because I was in jail. And so, you know, in, in a, a time of desperation, I... Uh, I did what what a lot of people in jail do, and I grabbed my Bible, and uh, and I'd always had had a relationship with the Lord to some extent. You know, I prayed from time to time. I would talk to Him from time to time. I knew that everything that that was good come from Him, and everything that was bad come from the choices that I'd made. I knew this, but uh, so I turned to Him, and and I started reading, and I come across the verse that said, "Be still and let me be God." You know, let me be God. Edward, you've tried to do it your way. You've done, you've done, for 18 years you've tried to do it your way, and look where you're sitting at. Look what you've lost. Look, all these good things that, that you, have, you have accomplished and that, that I've allowed you to accomplish, but look where you sit now. That's, what's, that's, that's because you keep trying to do it your way. Now stop. Be still and let me be God. And so, I, I mean, I, at that point I didn't have a whole lot of choice. So I went to jail, and then right behind that, I wound up going to rehab because that was that was the deal. That was the deal the judge made with me was that if you know if I mess up, you're going to rehab. Jail was just the holding place before rehab. Once I got into rehab, and uh, which by the grace of God, you know, I thought that I was at my rock. I thought that I had lost it all, but you know, God doesn't see everything the way that we see it. God sees us through His eyes, not through our eyes. 
and and it wasn't the bottom it wasn't the the bottom it wasn't the end it was actually the beginning the beginning of something great the beginning of of something new uh it was it was a second chance you know i didn't see it at the time but that's what it was and so my job supported me through this and my kids supported me through this come and seen me and was so you know glad that that i was getting the help that i needed once i uh once i was able to get sober i was i was able to examine my eye, my life through through new eyes you know from a from a different situation you know after just after just about a month the fog started to clear you know in my brain and i started to see things through through new eyes and 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 i was able to see that uh just because i had a career didn't make me a good employee and i wasn't a good employee just because i i cooked dinner and i helped with homework and thought that i was there for my kids because i was there in person didn't make me a good dad because you know i may have been there but i was never there my mind was always somewhere else you know looking back at it now i missed out on so much that so much now that i still can't remember that happened while i was there but my mind wasn't there and and my thoughts wasn't there and everything was so foggy that i wasn't there and the things that i missed out on they missed out on too you know i was able to see that um uh, that just because I worked for my drugs and that I paid for my drugs with money and I didn't go out and steal from people that I thought that made me better but you know whenever whenever it all panned out what I done was I stole 20 years from that girl from my ex-wife I stole 20 years worth of memories she's with somebody else now and you know that's 20 years of things that she cannot rem- reminisce on things that that I think about that I can't even reminisce on and it feel good because she's making memories with somebody else now. And 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 I know she feels the same way. I stole 20 years of her of her life. I thought I thought that I was better because I I I didn't steal and I paid for my own stuff, but you know, in the end, I think I'm the worst one of them all, you know, because I stole something that you can't give back. You, if I would have stole money or things from a store or things from somebody, I could have paid it back with cash. With I'm sorry, but you know what? I'm sorry doesn't give time back. It's just it's it's irreplaceable. It's something that's so precious that once we let go of it, we don't even realize it. Time is so precious, and whenever you take it from someone, you can't give it back. No matter how many I'm sorry I'm sorry I say, it doesn't give it back. But today I'm a new person. Today, thanks to drug court, I'm I'm sober. And I see my myself through new eyes. I see myself through through the eyes that God sees me, as much as as much as I can get myself to that place. You know, I can't really get myself to the place because He sees me as so much more than than what I am. But as much as I can get myself to that place, I'm able to see myself through His eyes. I'm able to appreciate the small things. I've recently bought a new home. I've bought a new truck. I'm a good employee. I, I'm a good dad. And I'm a faithful servant to Jesus Christ. Through His grace and His mercy, I'm I'm able to lead other souls. You know, at our church, I'm, I'm a church. I'm a I'm a leader. I'm a I lead the services and I teach Sunday school. You know, I'm able to, to help others to get to God. Something that 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 I was having trouble with all along. You know, and now He's got me in a place where where I can help someone else. You know, where I can I can bring other souls to His kingdom. You know, drug addiction. It, I just want to close with drug addiction is a disease. It is a disease. It's it's just like cancer once you once you put in. But the thing about it is is it's a preventable disease. It's a disease that you never have to fight with. 
the way you fight it is by never putting in. Drugs are going to come more than likely from someone you trust. A stranger walking down the street is not going to walk up to you and try to give you drugs. It's going to come from a boyfriend, from a close friend, from a relative, or maybe, you know, like my case, from your parents. Uh, you never know where it's going to come from, but it's going to come from someone you trust. So have your, have your no statement ready. You've got to have a no statement because no's just not enough. You know, whenever someone offers it to you, you know, it's, it's like, no, you know, I've seen the lives that, that this has affected. I've seen the, the places that, it, that it's taken people and, and no, I'm against it. Get it out of my face. I'm not for it. Get it away from me. You've got to have a no statement because no is not enough. You know, it, it's, but it's not about the fall. It's not, it's not about being knocked down. It's about how, how we get back up. You know, the Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times. Righteous in the Bible means someone that, who is in God's will, someone who is doing what God wants them to do. The Bible says that, that he falls seven times. But there again, it's not about the fall. It's about you keep getting up. You may fall, but you haven't fell. You don't fail until you refuse to get up. So keep getting up. And you know, I wish that I could end this on with a high note, something that would touch your heart, something that would make you feel good, but I can't. What I've got to end this with is that it's a struggle, and it's a fight, and it's something that I still deal with every day. And yes, it's gotten easier, but it hasn't gone away, and I'm going to have to continue to fight with it. But it's something that I would not have ever had to fight with had I just not put in, had I just not started this fight, this battle with this disease then I, I wouldn't have to fight this fight. The struggle is real, and it's something I deal with every day. But it's not something that anybody else has to deal with that hasn't put in. So that's my words to you, is just don't put in. Well, that was an awesome story, wasn't it? I hope that you're just as proud of his achievements as I am. He is an awesome person. He's so involved in his church, and he's very humble as well. He gives all the glory to God, and he gives all the glory to everybody else who's helped him along the way, but we know he is a strong person. We know he made up his mind to do right, and he did it. That's quite a commitment. That's quite a turnaround. Unbelievable. That inspires me. That inspires me to have a better life to do more with my life, to make impacts on other people, just like he did. I hope he inspired you. If you have any comments about his testimony, please look me up on Facebook and don't hesitate to comment. That's Georgia B. Kimmy, Attorney at Law, on Facebook. I also have an Instagram account, and I'd love to hear from you. By the way, if you enjoyed the music for this podcast, that comes to you courtesy of Stephen James. Stephen James has music on iTunes, Spotify, every other platform, Stephen James, or you can look him up as Stephen James and the Jaded. Meanwhile, y'all have a great week and stay out of trouble.